We are on Ksubis Nuntes Amad Aleph 59a as we continue on in the Gemara. The Gemara now says Amr Shmuel. We are up to Amr Shmuel. Shmuel says Halacha Nasandalar. We follow the ruling of Rabbi Nasandalar. What are we talking about? So this refers back to the Mishnah as we discussed in the last class. Uh, the Mishnah was discussing what happens in a case where the husband says uh, that anything uh, extra that she makes, any extra from her earnings, the husband says should belong to Hektish, belong to the base of Hektish, the temple, or Biochan Hassandler is of the opinion that it doesn't work. And the Gemara explained that according to Shmuel, what does it mean it doesn't work? It doesn't even work when the husband receives it after, let's say, his wife passes away. It still doesn't work. It doesn't turn into Hektish. It doesn't become transferred to the base of Hektish, to the temple. And Shmuel says... We follow this opinion. Why do we follow this opinion? What's the underlying idea behind this opinion? The underlying idea is that if a person designates something for the temple, wants to uh, donate it to the temple, uh, to the base of Megdash, so it doesn't work because uh, in Adam Maktish, Davish, right now the, her earnings are not around. Number one, they're not around. Number two, it doesn't belong to him right now. It won't belong to him right now. It may belong to him in the future after his wife passes away. It doesn't belong to him right now. So because of these factors, he does not have proper ownership to now declare it as hektish, as something which is designated to the base of Megdash, even if he eventually will receive it, at that time it still also will not belong to hektish. It doesn't work. So the Gemara will now ask, wait a minute, where you will see that there, there's a contradiction within Shmuel. Shmuel follows this opinion, but we will see Shmuel in a different context say, seem to say that... Um, one could uh, designate something uh, that does that is not in their possession, not towards hektish, not towards the temple. But we'll see uh, what the context is right now. Is it really true that Shmuel said this? But none. But we have the following Mishnah. The wife now. The cases where the wife says to her husband that. Um, anything that I make, any of my earnings, will be konem lepicha. Konem lepicha is a language of saying that she's basically saying that he, her husband, cannot get any benefit from it. It's a, a form of designated, designating it so that somebody else cannot get benefit, i.e. her husband cannot get benefit from this. So we'll see that there are three opinions. Does this work? Does this not work? There's a question. One basic question is, does she have the right, does she have the ability to say that my earnings, my basic earnings, uh, my husband cannot get any benefit from it? Um, why would you say that it, it doesn't work? The reason to say that it doesn't work, which is the first opinion, in Tarek Lahafer, um, it doesn't work uh, because she doesn't have real ownership over it to make such a declaration because her earnings go straight to her husband. Um, assuming that this is a case where a regular case where her earnings do go to her husband, so she has no ability to, to she has no control or ownership over her earnings to say that uh, her husband can't have uh, benefit from it because it's not really hers; it goes straight to her husband. So that's why the first opinion says in uh, lahafer, the husband does not have to. Um, the husband in general has the ability to annul her her vows or her oaths. Uh, and this is considered a, a vow to say that uh, her husband shouldn't get a benefit. Uh, he doesn't have to do that. 
he doesn't have to annul it. Why? Why doesn't he have to annul it? Because it never actually took place. That that oath never took place. That's the first opinion. Rabbi Kiva Omer Yefer, Shemetad Defalav, Yesser Minaroyelo. Rabbi Kiva says no. The husband should do hafara, should annul the vow. Why? Because if there's anything extra above and beyond the basic amount, perhaps even extra when she works really hard for it, uh, so then that goes to her. So since she gets to keep it, there's a part that she gets to keep. So the husband should, in fact, uh, declare it as uh, an annul that vow. That's Rabbi Kiva's opinion. Rabbi Yochum Ben Nuri Omer, Yefer Shemir Gershana. Rabbi Yochum Ben Nuri says, you know why the husband should annul the vow? Not necessarily because of the extra amount, which goes to her, and therefore uh, it really is a vow because it's hers. But rather, the reason why the husband should annul the vow is because maybe uh, they'll get divorced, and then her earnings belong to herself. And then she cannot come back and marry him. Why? Because already at that point in time, her earnings are now forbidden to her husband. And therefore, not just her earnings, but the work that she has to do. She has obligations, responsibilities towards her husband. And she basically took an oath to say that her husband cannot benefit from any of her work, of anything that she does. So they can't even get married. If, even if they were to try to get married after their divorce, they can't get married. They can't remarry because she basically, the oath that she took, that her husband cannot get any benefit from her and anything that she does... So then, it, it, once it comes into existence, so then uh, she won't be able to uh, work for him. And, and therefore, they can't really get married. So because of that, Rabbi Yochum ben says, the husband should, in fact, annul her vow so that uh, she would be able to work for him. Now, Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says, The law is like Rabbi Yochum ben So that is a contradiction. Why is that a contradiction? Because originally we said that Shmuel says that we follow... The position of Rabbi Yochan Sandler. Rishmuel says we follow the position uh, that a person cannot designate something towards the temple because a husband can't do that because it's not his and he can't do something for the future. But over here, in our context, it's not for the temple, but it's also to uh, take a, a vow that uh, her husband won't be able to get any benefit. It's not, it's for her earnings, which she doesn't have right now. And even if she did have it right now, uh, it, it, we're only discussing after they get divorced. It's only hers after they get divorced. So they're, right now they're married. So this is about the future. And yet we see Shmuel says, we follow the position of Rabbi Yochum and Nuri towards the future. It's about the future and the fact that her vow would work. It would go into effect. So the contradiction is, originally we said, according to Shmuel, that if it's not uh, theirs right now, if they're not, they don't have ownership of it, they cannot transfer it to the temple. But yet right now we're seeing that Shmuel is of the opinion that a person can, in fact, create a vow to not allow somebody to, to use their things, even though it's not theirs right now. It will be theirs in the future, but it's not theirs right now. So which one is it? So the Gemara, uh, when this is the, re- the remaining Gemara until the, the coming Mishnah, the Gemara essentially gives four different answers. They reject the first three answers. We'll have one answer, then a second answer, then a third answer. All three will be rejected, and then we'll be left with the final answer. So answer number one, the Gemara says as follows, Shmuel says, when, when did Shmuel doesn't really follow Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri to say that uh, when she makes uh, this vow that uh, the husband cannot get any benefit uh, is because of the fact that she will receive her own earnings later on if they get divorced. No, he was really referring to what Rabbi Kiva was referring to, which is about the extra amount. If she makes money, which is the extra amount, 
So that's why the husband has to annul the vows. It's really not about Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri. So the says, this is very difficult, <laughs> because Basically, the problem is, Shmuel said that we follow Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri. So says, if we're not following Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri, so then say so. Say that it's limited to the extra amount that she gets for a different reason. Or, or say that we're not following the first opinion. Or say that we're following Rabbi Kiva. And that's Rabbi Kiva's position. At the end of the day, what the Gemara suggested was very, very difficult. Because uh, in the end of the day, Shmuel says that we follow Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri. And seemingly for the reasons of Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri. So, and not for other reasons. Uh, so this answer is very difficult. So answer number one is very difficult. Answer number two. El Amr of Yosef. Rabbi Yosef explains as follows. So now we get into the world of Konamos. This law, the second law of Shmuel, where he follows Rabbi Yochan ben Nuri, is about a case of Konamos. It's basically a case where a person has the ability to say that uh, the things that I have, nobody, such and such person, in our case the husband, cannot get benefit from what I have. And that, that that's allowed, and that's a halachic concept. A person could say, I don't want somebody to get benefit from my from what I have, and that person cannot get benefit. And if they do, so then they have violated the Torah. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating idea. So Rav Yosef says, when it comes to konamos, this idea of konamos, it's different. The, the rules are different. Why? Um, because just like we see that a person could actually uh, say, part of, in part of these rules, could actually say that what my friend has, not what I have, it's not mine. What my friend have, I, can, I personally cannot get any benefit from it. And that works. It works to do that. I cannot, I'm putting it upon myself, I will not get benefit, I cannot get benefit from something that my friend has. And that works. Even though in general, when it comes to transactions, it has to be yours. But we see that it doesn't have to be yours. And you could say that I cannot get benefit. So, so too, so once we're going to say that, so then we could also say, that in this concept, in this world of Konamos, uh, the rules change, and even if it's not yours, but will be yours in the future. So you could create, uh, you could create it and say that for your for, for the other person, for the husband, he cannot get benefit from something which I don't have right now, but I will have in the future, and that would work uh, because in the world of Konamos, in this world of saying something is forbidden either for myself or for somebody else. The regular rules of transactions don't apply. The Gemara will now question this and have multiple questions on this. Uh, essentially, the, the, what, what we are discussing here is about what level ownership is required, is necessary in order to um, to create this situation to say either it's forbidden for me to get benefit from it or it's forbidden for my husband to get benefit from it. Um, wh- what's the scenario that it works? What's the scenario that doesn't work? So, I'm going Essentially, the Gemara says the comparison is not a good comparison. The comparison, Abayi says the comparison is not a good comparison. Why? I understand that um, a person could say that my fruit, my friend cannot get benefit from it. My friend can't get benefit from it. So once I say that, so then I could also say, I personally will not get benefit from, I, I, I could say this, I will not get benefit from my friend's fruits. But what's going on here? What's going on here is a person cannot say that their friend cannot get benefit from their own friend's fruits. That's not allowed. A person cannot just uh, 
make a statement that my friend has fruits, my friend cannot benefit from that. That doesn't work. So if that doesn't work, so then also a person cannot uh, then create certain rules for something that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in the world yet. It's not around yet. So it just uh, it, it's not a good comparison. I, I understand if it's my fruit and I say my friend can't benefit from that, or if it's my friend's fruit and I personally can't, can't benefit from that, fine. I'm involved halfway. But to say that my friend's fruits, my friend cannot get benefit from them from that, that will never work. So to in our case, it will never work. So now answer number three. Answer number three. Says, what's the case that we're talking about here, where it's not being makdish to uh, create a change to something which doesn't exist in the world yet? Uh, essentially, he says that the case here is not where you are uh, being makdish your your earnings, well, what you'll make. You're not designating what you'll make. You're designating your hand. It's really your hand, which exists. Your hand currently exists, and you're saying that your hand, which exists, so then whatever my hand makes, whatever my work makes, but I'm really, I'm not, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a nuance, but it's an important nuance. It's not about what I make, which doesn't exist. I'm giving my hands, and my hands are exist in the, this world. And so whatever my hands make, my husband cannot get benefit from it. And that's the case, the case where it would work, which would require Hafara would require the husband to annul her vow is where she says anything that my hand now my husband can't get anything benefit from my hand my hand exists in the world currently but it's really referencing anything she makes with her hand her, the money that she makes um, so the Gemara questions this and it says but still how does this work even if she designates her hand her hand is not her own when it comes to the hand with regards to the money she makes, it goes to her husband. Basically, her hand is not doesn't belong to herself in the context of her hand um, for work, for work purposes. That belongs to her husband. It only belongs to herself once she gets divorced. But that's in the future. Do we ever have a case where she could designate her hand when it's not hers right now, but it will be hers in the future? We ever have such a case? The Gemara has a whole back and forth. First, the Gemara wants to compare it to the following case. Again, what we're saying now is, can she designate her hand uh, to the point where her husband cannot get benefit from her hand, even though it's her hand, with regards to the fact, with regards to her work, is not hers until much later, until after they get divorced. Right now, they're married. So what, do we, what could we compare this to? So the Gemara first wants to compare it to a person who tells their friend, I own this field. I own a field. I'm going to sell you my field. And then when I buy it back, I'm going to designate it to the temple. So that works. It works to do that. The field is mine right now. I'm selling it to you. And then once I buy it back, it'll be designated to the temple. That works. So if that works, suggests the Gemara, so then so too in our case with the wife designating her hand, uh, for uh, that the husband can't get benefits. The Gemara says, wait a minute. The Gemara says, no, there's no such comparison. In the case of the field, right now it's mine. Right now I have the ability to designate it to the temple. I'm going to say I'm going to hold off till much later after I sell it to you and then buy it back. That's when I'll do it. But right now I have the ability to do it as well. In the case of the wife, she has no ability to. She's just not in her control to get divorced. Uh, uh, she has no ability to designate it right now to the to the base of Megdash. 
So what's it compared comparable to? What's it comparable to? It's comparable to a case where he already sold the field. If he already sold the field, he has no ability to then say, when I buy it back, I'm going to designate it to the temple. He, he can't do that. The field is not his. It used to be his, but right now it's not his. And so he has no right to just designate a field that he's already sold uh, to Hektish, to the temple, if uh, on the condition that he buys it back. That wouldn't work. So to the Isha, the wife won't be able to designate it to the – or not allow her husband to use it until later on. The Gemara says, wait a minute, masculine of Papa. Me dummy, hasam goof of peros, biada de loke, hacha goof biada. Papa says, no, the comparison to the field that you already sold isn't a good comparison. Because once you sold the field, the field belongs to the new owner and the fruit belongs to the new owner. In our case – her hand is hers. It's just that she doesn't anything she makes from it goes to her husband. So what's it compared to? Halodamya El Omer Lechavero Sadazu Shemashkanti Lecha Dekadsha. Essentially, the whole back and forth here. Essentially, we're moving on to Nintesan B is fifty nine B, but it's not compared to a field that I sold, because then it's no longer mine. Even the actual field is no longer mine. But it's talking about a field that I gave as collateral. I owe somebody money. I will pay them, but until I pay them, I will give it to them as collateral. And if I give it to them as collateral, so then maybe it's more comparable because the field itself is mine. The fruit are mine. The field itself is mine. And I say once I redeem it, so then it should become um, designated for the temple. That works. So then so too for the Isha, for the wife. When she says her hands will be designated that the husband can't get benefit from it, even though that won't take place till later on. But in the end of the day, it's her hands, so maybe that should work. The Gemara then responds back by saying it's similar to what we said earlier. At the end of the day, uh, the borrower, when he gives a, a collateral, the mashkon uh, of the field, he has always the right to take it back because once he pays back the money, the field then is his. But she, she's not in control of her hand. In the end of the day, she's married. She cannot get divorced on her own. She's not in control. So it's not comparable. What's it comparable to? comparable to? It's comparable to a field which is, I say that I can't pay back, I can't get back my field until I pay back in 10 years. Doesn't that work? So, even that's not comparable. Because at least in 10 years from now, you know that it's in your control to get back the field. But a wife never knows when she could get divorced. It's not in her control. So now we finally give the following answer. Ella Amravashi, Kunamus Kamashadu Kunamus to Kedushas Hagof Ninhu. This is the final answer. Ukidirava Damarava, Hektish, Chamit Vishikhur, Mafkin, Mideshibud. Mideshibud. Essentially, what's going on here? Let's just do a quick review. The wife wants to say that her hands are designated, that the husband cannot get any benefit from what she makes. The problem is, is that it's not hers. It belongs to her husband. Anything she makes, we already said, there's a, there's a law that it belongs to her husband, anything that she makes. So how does she have the ability to make such an oath? So Gemara wants to say now that whenever somebody owes somebody else money, that's a monetary it's a monetary claim. So person A owns person B money. That's a monetary claim. There are three ways where it's sort of it's an important idea, which we don't have time to get into so much, but there are three ways that a person could uh, sidestep the the monetary obligation and sort of remove the monetary obligation, but really just as a secondary matter. 
because let's say, for example, um, a person owes money and they they designate chametz, they designate chametz um, uh, bread uh, as a form of payment. And then when the, what ends up happening is that Pesach comes. Uh, so Pesach comes and the chametz is now uh, has no value whatsoever, has absolutely no, no value. Um, and now he no longer has to pay. He doesn't have to pay. It's a, it's a fascinating rule. He no longer has to pay because it doesn't have any value. So it's like he gave it, has no value, and he doesn't have to pay the rest. Or for example, also if he gives his slave as, as, as designation for payment, and then he frees his slave. He frees his slave. That slave now, even though he already designated the slave for payment, that slave now goes free because it's, a, it's an outside factor that he goes free and then uh, he has to collect the money from elsewhere, but he can't collect it from this slave. Even though he already designated the slave from a monetary perspective, he freed the slave and now this, the, the, the slave is out of the picture. So too, uh, when you designate uh, a person cannot get benefit, the husband can't get benefit from the money she makes, it's similar to hectish, it's similar to designating something to the temple. The language is similar. It's a language of saying that this is holy and cannot be used. And once you're saying it's holy and cannot be used, even though the husband really has a claim, uh, has a claim to her earnings, but uh, and to her hand specifically, has a claim to her hand, but she could say, my hand is designated for holiness, and it gets out of the obligation that her hand is obligated to her husband. A fascinating, fascinating idea. That her hand has has an outside factor impacted to say that it's 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 holy uh, and cannot be used uh, to be paying somebody else back. So then, even though there's a monetary obligation, but this outside factor sort of removes it from it. Sigmar then asks, "When Hashta, Sigmar then asks, "Well, this only comes into play." In the end of the day, this only comes into play after they get divorced. Why is it only after they get divorced? This should apply even while they're married. That this outside factor should remove uh, the obligation towards her husband. So my answer is, yeah, you're right. But the rabbi said because they want her earnings to go to her husband, that it'll only take place after they get divorced. But so in the end of the day, in the end of the day, the truth is, according to Shmuel, a, a person cannot designate something for the temple if it's not theirs yet. If it's not in their ownership, they cannot. Oh, well, we have this case of the wife who says that anything she makes can't go to well, her husband can't get any benefit from it, but she doesn't have it right now, and it's only applying later on after they get divorced. How does that work? So explains the Gemara. The way that works is because of Rava. It's because of this idea that even though there's this obligation, monetary obligation put in place, once she's saying it's like hectish, it's like something which is holy, something which the husband can't get any benefit from, it removes the obligation. Automatically removes the obligation, but the rabbi said it only removes the obligation after they get divorced, but not during the marriage itself. And so therefore, there's no contradiction within uh, Shmuel. Okay, we're now by the Mishnah, and Tesla and Basil will begin with the next Mishnah in the next class.